Happy New Year, everybody. It's another one. And uh, I know everyone's talked about 2020. Well, here we go. 2021. Let's make it the best year ever. That's all I can say. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. That's always the way to go. And welcome to another edition, the first 2021 edition of Business and Sports with Andrew Brand. I'm going to start out with a rants edition. Rants, rants about so much happening because as you know, in my world, When the games stop, or at least the regular season games stop in the NFL, that's when I get busier. That happened all when I was an agent. That happened when I was a team executive, and it's happened as an analyst on the business of sports. It gets busier once the games stop. Now, again, the NFL is heading into the postseason. There are a lot of games left, but there's some issues going on already that we need to talk about, and we'll do that here on the Brands Rants edition of the business of sports, and we'll get right to it. The first thing we'll talk about is Sunday night, recording this on Wednesday. Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter about what happened with the Eagles um, and the idea of tanking and throwing the game and all that. You know, as I've talked about, the Eagles are a data-driven team. They're led by um, Howie Roseman, who's into cap and contract analysis, always has been, always doing research on what's the best way to squeeze out cap room, what's the best way to squeeze out draft picks, looking into what happens if this happens, how to use compensatory draft picks. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they knew, of course they knew before the game, that this is going to happen in one of two ways. One, we win the game and our pick in the first round, highly valuable top 10 pick would be nine or 10. Number two, we lose the game and our first round pick would be five or six. So it may not sound like a lot, but when you get that high in the first round, when you talk about blue chip players, it is important. And more importantly, sort of what would it take had the Eagles won the game if they wanted to get into the place where they are having lost the game, probably a second round pick. So in the way you want to look at it as an Eagles fan, before we get to the competitive balance issue is by losing, they ensure themselves a position that they would have had to use a second round pick to ensure themselves had they won. So we look at it from a purely data-driven analytical model Going into the game with the Eagles against the Washington football team, the Eagles had an opportunity to win. But if they did, it would raise them in the standings for no apparent gain. And it would lose them four or five draft picks. So that's a problem. Now, then we get to the competitive aspect. And listen, it's disingenuous to say that they were, as Doug Peterson did, and I'll explain why he had to say it in a minute had to say, well, we wanted to see Nate Sudfeld, so we got him in there. Oh, come on. That strange credulity, it's an insult to our intelligence. He was put in in the middle of a game that was winnable with a quarterback that they've been seeing for three games, and ideally they'd want to see more of, especially if they make a dramatic move to get rid of the quarterback, which I don't think they're going to do. We'll talk about that in a minute. To get rid of the quarterback that they invested the world for, And so would they want to see more Jalen Hurts? Of course they would. But they wanted to see Nate Sudfeld. Don't tell me why. Don't ask me why. They want to see Nate Sudfeld. Now, he's been in their program four years. They've seen him in practice every day. They've seen him in preseason games. So they really need to see him in the last game. Now, maybe they want to give him a little reward. But the idea of playing Sudfeld only makes sense if you're doing it at the start of the game, which, again, you can say the tanking, or at the end of the game in a blowout. 
but here we are in the middle of a game that's winnable, that's there. So it makes no sense. Now, do I think Sudfeld was put in there to favor the odds of losing the game and getting that higher draft pick? Yes, I do. Do I think that Doug Peterson is put in a no-win situation if that's the goal? Yes, but he could have started him in the beginning of the game, but faced more blowback. But here's the thing. When he faced the media, he had no right answer. Because if he said the truth that, hey, we looked at the analytics, it's better to lose. We want to put up a competitive game, but at the end of the day, we wanted to be in a better position for the future. You can't say that. You can't say that. You know, you'll get the league and integrity of the game. You just can't say that. So what he continues with is this charade about want to get a look at Nick Sudfeld, Nate Sudfeld. Okay. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He wants to get the draft pick. So he had to go through this charade. want to look at now people like me, fans, media, of course, are rolling their eyes, but that's the dance you had to play. Now for people who say, well, what about, this chief sitting Patrick Mahomes and what about the Steelers sitting Ben Roethlisberger? Again, those are different because they're not tanking. Well, let me rephrase. They may be tanking that week, but there's no competitive advantage. Well, there is a competitive advantage to the other team, but I guess they are tanking. <laughs> the difference of course is that they have no reason to advance their play, their move, and neither did the Eagles. So as I'm talking through this, it does happen. Um, but, you know, the NFL came out with a statement or at least a tweet or someone quoted them saying, we're not going to tell coaches who to play. So I guess what you're seeing is the NFL is going to be hands off, but you just can't say it, Right. You just can't say it. You can't have Doug Peterson get on a Zoom conference call and say, we're in a better position for the future if we lost the game. So we uh, acted strategically and lost the game. You just can't say it. Now, maybe the NFL sits around this offseason and says, we're all adults here. You can say it, right? You can say it. And then my final point about tanking is this, and I've said this a thousand times, Football players don't tank, right? You throw, you catch, you block, you tackle. You're not going to go out there and let the receiver run by you. You're not going to go out there and let the defensive lineman run by you with an offensive lineman. You're not going to patty cake if you're a defensive lineman. You're not going to stop running if you're a receiver. So what you do do is as management and coaching, you put out a lesser product. So the definition of tanking has nothing to do with effort, Right. So let's just be clear about that. The definition of tanking is not about effort. It's about quality of player. Nick Sudfeld was not trying to fumble or to get sacked or to throw errant passes the other night. Nick's, I'm sorry, Nick. Nate Sudfeld was trying. He's just not the level of player. It's like in these games where you see the Dallas Cowboys had to play Ben DiNucci. Were they tanking? No. But you're not going to be competitive with that player's quarterback. You're just not. You know, there was a quarterback in for the Arizona Cardinals. They could have made the playoffs. Were they tanking? Of course not. They wanted to make the playoffs. But that was not an NFL caliber quarterback.
So here we are. You know, the Eagles have this pick. They're going to have a run of the, the, the pick of the litter in terms of these great receivers that might be coming out. The two guys from Alabama, the Heisman Trophy winner, Smith. Waddle, who's going to get healthy, and Jamar Chase. So the Eagles are going to be in a good position to get what they want going forward, in part because they did the right thing for the franchise on Sunday night. They just couldn't say that. Okay, let's continue the Eagles. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this now. I've done it 100 times. Carson Wentz, another day, another rumor, another leak. He wants out. He wants in. He wants to meet. The relationship's fractured. He wants out. To me, all that's BS. Who cares? Right? Who cares about the leaks and what the agents are saying, what someone's telling ESPN, what someone's telling CBS? It doesn't matter. What are you going to do? Are you going to fix this guy? Are you going to bail and take a massive debilitating cap consequences? There's no cap consequence that's ever been like this, ever. I've said it a thousand times. I'm, I'm putting my stick in the ground that Carson Wentz is here next year and e- here in, in Philadelphia. And even if you take out all the financial, right, and take out all the noise, do you, Philadelphia Eagles, who you invested so much in this player who had MVP-like ability just two years ago, do you really want to get rid of that player? And if they do, they have decided that this guy is cooked. And then if they're deciding it's cooked, why would anyone take him on? especially for a 20 million plus number. There's all these cockamamie ideas that Wentz is going to pay back 20 million and get back 20 million from a new team. Come on, come on. That's not happening. Okay. None of that is happening. I think Carson Wentz is there, but I think the Eagles have to be honest. You know, they'd be honest. Like, are you coming in as a backup? I know he's going to be unhappy, but so what? Are you coming in to compete? Are you coming in as a starter? You know, and my constant advice on what happens with the Eagles is two words, fix him. This is not a player like the players we just talked about. This is not Sudfeld. This is not Danucci. This is not some third string quarterback. This is a guy who's done it. He's a number two pick in the draft like a minute ago. So fix him. If you're the Eagles, it's very simple. Fix him. Now, is that takes new coaching, it takes new models, it takes new play calling, whatever it is. Different kind of contract, if he'll agree to it. Yeah, fix him. Okay. I don't think Carson Wentz is going anywhere. I'll say it again and again. People ask me these questions over and over again about restructure, about this, about that. That I, you know, I said the same thing about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown had a thousand issues Wentz doesn't have. And Antonio Brown had a $21 million dead money compared to 34 million, that's not the same neighborhood. No one's ever been higher, as as far as I know, than Antonio Brown. And now we're talking about 13 million higher, that's whatever, 70% higher, 60% higher than Antonio Brown. Not happening. Back to more Brant's rants in a minute. First, a word from DraftKings, it's playoff time. That's right, football playoffs are starting this weekend. No better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to to celebrate this exciting time, it's your chance to double your money. All it takes for one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football games. That's right. Once you place your bet, all you have to do is sit back and wait for the touchdown. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS, R-O-S-S, when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money. 
if a touchdown is scored in one of the Saturday playoff games. That's code Ross for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Staying with the NFL, the other big business of sports issue now is the hiring season. This is the toughest part of the year, first of all, on the player side. Now, we're going to talk a lot about player turnover as we get into February and March and the diminished cap and all that. We'll talk a lot about player turnover. But now we're in the age of we're in the time of coaching and management turnover. On the coaching side, I'm not going to spend any time. It's you know what it is. These coaches are fired. These assistant coaches on that staff stick around hoping maybe they're going to want them back. The new guy, maybe they stay, maybe they go and their their family's thrown into chaos. Do they put these kids in new schools? Do they put the house on the market, the apartment on the market, waiting for the guy? And usually the new guy doesn't want the old guys, but there's always that hope. So it's a very time of chaos. I saw it twice in my time at the Packers. It was very uncomfortable seeing those guys in the office every day, sort of scouring the internet, rumors, what's happening with a coach that they know that can maybe help them out, all of that going on. It's just a terrible time. And you know, what do we have? I think six coaches fired and new staffs. And think about all the people affected by that more than the, that coach and his wife and family. It's coaches, it's, it's trainers, it's equipment, because the new guy is always going to want to bring in his people. And that may include all the way down to strength and conditioning and equipment and trainers and operations people, all of that. So we'll see where that goes. So there's coaching turnover. I want to spend more time on the GM turnover. There are seven teams right now making GM changes. And as I've written in Sports Illustrated this week, it's a real opportunity for disruption. There have been three models for the GM. I'll get to the most common in a minute. The first model is coach. Never happens except for Belichick. We tried it with uh, Bill O'Brien in Houston. It was terrible. Coaches have to be very present-oriented. General managers are future-focused, unemotional, detached. Coaches are very emotional, very immediate-focused. It's a model that's destined to fail, as it did for Bill O'Brien. It has worked for Bill o, uh, Belichick, but again, he's the only one because Bill of Belichick is brilliant to begin with, but he's also, as you know, very cold and unemotional and detached from players, which helps him do that role. The other One of the other uh, models for GMs has been sort of a cap contract, my background. You have Howie Roseman, as I've talked about in Philadelphia. You have Mickey Loomis in New Orleans. Really, that's about it. There's always been this implicit bias against cap or analytical people. They're seen as nerds or cap guys, not able to handle the, 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 the monumental job being a GM. I think that's BS. But that's just the traditional NFL. It's just kind of old school, which leads to the most common background for GMs in the NFL that unfortunately, and I'll explain why, continues to this day. Scout backgrounds. Uh, you know, all these GMs have scout backgrounds. They were bird dog and players from way back as area scouts, as regional scouts, as national scouts, as college scouting directors, as pro directors, as player personnel directors. That's great, you know, but here's my point. Being a general manager is a lot more than picking the players. It's a lot more than picking the players. It should be more than picking the players. First of all, you have to get all these people on the same page, your cap and analytics people, your coaching and your personnel staff, moving in the same direction. You have to know what you stand for. Obviously, in Green Bay, we're a draft and develop team. We all knew what we stand for. We're all rowing the same way. Uh, other franchises, you know, you know where the Patriots are. You know where the Steelers are. You know teams like that. 
that sort of have that way about them. Coaches have to buy in, cap people have to buy in, it all works. Some franchises seem all over the place. One year they're heavy in free agency, one year they're not, one year they're veteran, one year they're rookie, tearing it down, building it up, firing, no continuity. That's a problem. Now, I'm not saying a player picker, i.e. scout, cannot be a good general manager. But here's my point. These are 2 billion plus businesses. We're 2021. We're hiring the same model general manager that we did in 2000, that we did in 1990. Come on. These are $2 billion franchises now. We're hiring the same general manager that we did when they were $200 million franchises. We need a disruption. We need something bigger. Have the scout type pick the players. Great. Have the cap guy do the cap. Great. Have the coach coach. But my idea of a general manager is this master communicator that gets people to do things they don't want to do that leads and that has special skills beyond those. Maybe someone from media, uh, an executive who's got new media skills, who's thinking bigger, who's managing operations in the billion dollar ranges. Maybe someone from tech or big tech or big media or, or, or the digital media giants. Why not? You know, someone who managed a $2 billion part of Google should be able to manage a $2 billion NFL franchises or $20 billion part of Google or Yahoo or Amazon. Okay. So I'm not pro big, big tech, but I just think you have to look at these kind of models. Why not? You know, it's starting to happen in other business, in other sports. You know, some of the NBA, not only are they more analytical, but they just seem more business oriented. And trades are more about future oriented cap space, things like that. Whereas the NFL trades are still about players and talent and they never happen. Uh, baseball's general manager of the year is the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman. He comes from big finance. You know, private equity is seeping into sports more. SPAC, special purpose acquisition companies. All of that's there. So again, someone has to bring this up. I'm kind of an out-of-the-box person. I'm non-traditional, right? I'm non-traditional media, coming from a background of not media. I'm non-traditional academia, coming from a background not academic. So I'm non-traditional podcast, coming from a background of not talking on the radio or podcast. So these are the kind of things you have to look for. And I think it's great. I always look for disruption. You know, the reason I joined... Gary V and Vayner Sports, I thought there's a disruptor. So the agent business is another business that's been stagnant and static for 20, 30, 40 years. Same agents are getting the top players that they did 30 years ago. The Joel Siegels and the Drew Rosenhauses and the CAAs and the Dave Dunn's, they're still there. Where's the disruption there? So I thought there could be some disruption. And I do with AJ Vaynerchuk and Vayner Sports. So look for that. But GM models in the NFL, here's a chance for seven teams to make it happen. We already see in Houston, despite using a search firm, don't get me started on them, they're boondoggles that just give you names you can get anywhere else. They avoided the search firm, Corn Ferry, and hired the own guy, a guy from New England they tried to get a couple years ago, giving more power to the guy who's in Houston, Jack Easterby, which is a whole, you know, cultish thing in itself. Uh, as the Sports Illustrated article by my colleague Jenny Ventress showed. So we'll see what happens with these general manager hires. I've been consulted by a team. I gave them some of this advice, and I talked about the candidates they had, a couple that I'm very high on. 
so we'll see. I mean, I just think we have a real opportunity. If you're hiring a general manager or even a coach and you have Zoom right now, you can get anyone on a Zoom, right? If now you're not dealing with logistics and snow and all the bad weather out there this time of year, get them. Go get them, at least for an interview and pick their brain. That just makes so much sense to me. So we're in hiring season and firing season, but firing season happened quick. Now we're in hiring season, especially with GMs. We should make this happen in a disruptive model. I am advocating for that. Back to more rants in a minute. First, a word from Fundrise. In 2021, a truly diversified portfolio needs more than the traditional mix of stocks and bonds and mutual funds. You know what it needs? It needs private real estate. Studies have shown portfolios with an allocation of private real estate generally deliver a better risk-adjusted return with more annual income, lower volatility over the past two decades, thanks to track record of consistent performance through multiple markets. Fundrise provides access to diversified portfolios of private real estate to all investors with the industry-leading, easy-to-use platform. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or prefer long-term growth through appreciation, Fundrise makes it investing in private real estate as easy as investing in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. So see for yourself how 130,000 investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. Just takes a few minutes to get started. Go to fundrise.com slash BOS today. That's fundrise, F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E.com slash BOS, business with sports, capital B-O-S. Fundrise.com slash BOS. I just want one note uh, of a branch rant that I think is just out there and I got to bring up every now and then is sports betting. We are in an incredible time where we are, what is it, two and a half years now removed from the May 14th, 2018 decision, which declared PASPA, which is a law against states having legalized betting, is unconstitutional, which started the rage, right, of sports betting throughout the country. We're up to whatever, 21 states. Now we got the big one. The big one is happening. New York. Okay, Governor Cuomo talked about it. We're going to happen. He's going to sign the bill. That's big news to me because once New York tips the scale, then it's a floodgate. Now, you're always going to have Utah and Wyoming or whoever the three or four states are that say, no, we're not doing it. But New York's a big one. And I saw this week that's going to happen. So sports betting was so taboo in sports forever. When I teach my sports law class, we talk about the Pete Rose case, who's still out of baseball. We talk about Tim Donahue in basketball. We talk about Paul Horning and Alex Karras and even a recent case of a player after uh, the, the Supreme Court decision getting making a bet in Vegas uh, and getting disciplined for that. So it's always taboo, but here we are. You know, the NFL's got a team in Vegas. The NFL's embraced fantasy sports, as we know, and now they're embracing sports betting. And the fact that New York is joining the fray after New York went to court, and I covered this so often, excuse me, the fights between DraftKings and FanDuel and the New York courts went on forever, forever. And here we are. Um, it's happening. So the proliferation of sports betting in this country is fascinating to me. Uh, and 
the big domino to fall this week is New York. Now, that doesn't mean it's happening, but once the governor signs a bill, it's going to be in there and they'll join, what are we at, up to, at least 25 states, I believe, that have legalized sports betting in these two and a half years since that Supreme Court case. NFL, they'd rather have a federal bill, too late for that. They let the Supreme Court decision take care of that. So we have a state-by-state patchwork. But even with this, as I talked about the recent case of the Arizona Cardinals player, you can't bet. Okay, so players theoretically can't be in casinos, can't bet. You know, we kind of roll our eyes at that one. That'll do it for this week's Branch Rants edition. First edition of the year, my Branch Rants for January, week of January 4th, 2021. Thanks to my producer, extraordinaire Brian Neal, my musical producer. I love him so much, Sam Brandt. And then, of course, follow me on Twitter, as I hope you do. At Andrew Grant, Apple Podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated. And please sign up for my newsletter. You can register at andrew-brandt.com every Sunday morning. Straight to her email, a free newsletter with more content and musings from myself. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Grant.